most years, I, I get a sense sometime, I don't know, no, November, December, I just get a sense like, oh, I think next year God's going to have, have this as a focus for my own self, and then it comes out of my preaching. And so the, the, what was on my heart was light, the issue of light, that God is light, in him is no darkness at all, that we are light, and of course we're light shining in the darkness. And um, if there's no darkness, you don't need a light. <laughs> so so um, that, this is amazing. So I want to talk about this today. Let there be light, which are the first words spoken that are recorded in Scripture. Um, it's very interesting. If we, if we look at Genesis 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void. Darkness was over the face of the deep. God created something that was chaotic and messy. But fortunately, the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And it's not like it was a mistake. That's just how God did it. You know? <laughs> like He did it that way, and there's theories on why it was without form and void. But it, the, the record just says simply, it was a mess. And... And the spirit of the Lord hovered over that mess, and out of it, he, it was prepared for the creative uh, statements of God. With ten words, God created the universe. You know, so um, verse three, and God said, "Let there be light," and there was light. Now, this is an easy Bible verse to memorize. You know, if you don't know any verses, just memorize Genesis 3, 1, 3, and God said, let there be light. <laughs> you could even do it in Hebrew if you wanted. But the, uh, and, and, and so light, it becomes the first thing that God creates. God himself is light. He's uncreated light. He dwells in unapproachable light. And, and when he begins to create, the, and he creates by speaking, but the first thing that is released is light. It's an expression of himself. Only it's different than uncreated light. He created, created you know, it's created light because it, it wasn't always there. It came into existence at the word of the Lord. Hebrews uh, chapter 11 verse 3 tells us that by faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, and it's also sustained by the word of God. But we'll keep reading. God saw that the light was good, verse four, and God separated the light from the darkness, and God called the light day and the darkness night. And, uh, and so this is the beginning of creation, and light, which is you know all electromagnetic energy, the entire spectrum, not just the the small portion of that that is visible, that we see as visible light. But this light becomes the very basis of everything else that's created. Why do I say that? Well, because matter, roughly speaking, is congealed light. That, that matter and light are expressions of the same thing. Matter, that like what we experience as solid, what we, what has weight, what, you know, could weigh us down or, or, or hold us up is extremely concentrated light. And it, it's not a bad idea to call it congealed. And here's the amazing thing that even the tiny amounts of matter as 
congealed or collapsed energy hold vast amounts of energy. I mean, it's so vast that it's mind-boggling. And the famous equation that Albert Einstein uh, formulated in 1905, and then it got modified into the, the form that we understand it now, it ex captures the equivalence of energy and matter, that they're two forms of the same thing. So isn't it amazing that light was the first thing God created, everything else God created is also formed from that light. Uh, even uh, E equals MC squared is the famous formula that expresses this. And um, the, I mean, it, it's an enormous amount of energy in a small amount of matter because the, the constant multiplier is C squared, which is the speed of light squared. Celeritus is the Latin word that means fast. Um, the, but when you, so the speed of light is three million meters per second in metric. So when you, um, or, or 300 million, uh, anyway, it's a lot. It is 300 million. Because when you square it, it ends up as 90 quadrillion meters per second, which is more than you can understand. And it's not, so, this per second part's not so important as the massive multiplier that takes, this is the tiny amount of energy, we multiply it by this and that, or a tiny amount of matter, it becomes this massive amount of energy. And so, um, this is, I mean, if it was possible, if you could get 100% efficiency, a mass of a penny, like a little penny, and the mass of a penny, if it could be converted entirely to energy, would provide enough energy to power the New York City metro area for at least two years. <laughs> Just crazy, huh? So here's the question. What would the true light inside you do if it was released? I mean, you know, it's like there is enough potential energy. I mean, and we're just talking created energy inside every person in this room to change the whole world, probably to end the whole world too. But, um, and when the true light came into the world and shone through one human being who never traveled more than 200 miles from the place of his birth, never wrote a book, never bought a house, never did all the, you know, wrote, it, it never was elected, never did all the things that normally make people famous, he, as a young man who died a death of a criminal, changed the entire universe. It was inside him. I mean, it was, you know, his, it was, he was God and he was man, but what he did on the cross, he did as a man. I mean, with a perfect relationship with God. And this gets theologically complicated, so I'm not making a, an exact absolute statement here, but would you agree? I mean, you know, maybe he was five foot six, maybe he weighed 145 pounds, and you know, like, we don't know. But, and that human being changed all of time and history. And one day it will issue in the regeneration of all things in a new heaven and a new earth in which righteousness dwells, hallelujah. Uh, and there will be no tears and no crying and and everything will be the way God intended it to be, and it's all moving toward that because light has been released. Come on. And so, uh, 
In fact, what light does is it provides the energy to move chaos toward its intended end. And we see this even in the original creation account in Genesis 1.26. And then God said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness and let them have dominion over all the earth. Verse 27, so God created man in his own image, humanity in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. No ungendered language there. And God saw everything that he had made and behold, it was very good. It was meod tov, it was beyond as good as it can get. Come on. I mean, isn't that amazing? This is what, but it started with light. I'm telling you, the light that's in you is the beginning of the new creation. Light is the basis for the new creation. And there's this interesting thing about light that light has a wave particle duality. Like light is both, acts both as a wave like it can go around things and bend, and as a particle, like it hits things and makes an impact even though it has no mass. A photon is a massless particle. <laughs> it's a lot. So anyway, I mean, but it's this duality that is the mystery of light, and isn't it amazing that Jesus was God and man? Who can understand that? John Calvin couldn't, or not John Calvin, um, Ulrich Zwingli, who was discussing with Luther whether or not communion actually was the body and blood of Jesus Christ or whether it was only symbolic. And, uh, and Luther was on one side and Zwingli was on the other side. And Luther said, well, I can explain. And Ulrich and Zwingli said, well, if you can explain to me how this bread and wine become body and blood, then, I, then I'll believe you. And Luther said, okay, I'll explain that to you if you can explain to me how Jesus could be both God and man. And Zwingli said, huh. So Luther won the debate, but most, anyway, <laughs> he, he didn't change Zwingli's mind. Okay, so, but Jesus was God and man. Now here is the duality in your own being that you're in the world, but you're not of the world. I'm in this world, but I'm not of this world, that you're, you have a citizenship in heaven. You have a, an inheritance that is being guarded and kept for you in heaven. It's like, we're not what, you're not just a nicer person, nicer version of what you were before you met Jesus. When you met Jesus, here's what the Bible says, second, Corinthians 5, 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, behold, the new has come. So God actually doesn't care about your past. You understand that? He wiped it all away. He's not saying, well, you know, you, I, I had a really bad childhood. I had an old, mean older brother. My dad hardly ever talked to me. Um, he was grumpy most of the time. I still loved him very much. I'm, I'm not making this up. This is a true story. Um, but you know what? God doesn't care about that. He cares that he made me a new creation. And I love my dad and I love my older brother. And you know, it's not like I'm carrying this wound around. But sometimes we spend all our time looking at something that's already dead. And we, I mean, and we have ministries to help people stop living in a dead past and move into the living future and the living present of being a new creation. 
Thank you, Jesus. I'm not mocking. I don't want to hurt people's feelings who already are prone to hurt feelings. But I want to say, your past is in the past. It's over. It's, it's beyond. And you have an awesome future. This is the day the Lord has made. Rejoice and be glad in it. The steps of the righteous get brighter and brighter until the perfect day. Well, I've had a lot of tough times. So did Jesus, so did Paul. You know, but <laughs> we don't quit. And as Heidi Baker said, that famous theologian, if we don't quit, we win. Okay, so, <laughs> but isn't that amazing? So light, light becomes the basis of the new creation um, Jesus is the true light, which gives light to everyone, uh, John 1, verse 9. And by virtue of that new birth, that new creation, we are light. We're not becoming light, we are light. Ephesians 5, 8, just part of the verse, we'll talk, look at more of it later, says, for at one time you were darkness, meaning the absence of this creative energy in you, but now you are light in the Lord. No, I am light in the Lord. When I'm in the Lord, I'm light. When you're in the Lord, you're light. There is, there is energy flowing out of you. And I, I hate to use the term energy because it sounds like new age. It's light. It's God's nature. It's, I mean, we're, the light that has come into us, this is different than the light would let it be light. The light that has come into us is in some mysterious way, the uncreated light of God. Like we don't see it like he sees it. You don't see yourself like he sees you. Maybe some of, you know, we get close. <laughs> but when we see him, we'll be like him for we'll see him as he is. And when we can see him as he is, then we'll see ourselves as we are. We'll be shocked like, oh man, I could have had so much more impact. <laughs> but there will be no regrets <laughs> because we'll be, we'll be stunned by the glory of his, of his goodness. So here's what light does. Light allows change. Photons hit leaves and they allow photosynthesis, which actually runs the life in this planet. I mean, with some exceptions, but basically everything, if there was no photosynthesis, there wouldn't be any human beings. And uh, so energy allows, it's a form of change, see, that in, in, the, in a leaf of a plant, a simple plant, that, that chemicals are changed into things that are useful, you know, that become food and clothing and fiber and fuel and structure and all these things. And so energy, permits change, and there's light inside you. You're the light of the world. This energy allows change, and then the second thing it does is it makes things visible that would otherwise be invisible. It makes vision possible. It makes things plain and exposes things. Now, I remember when I, I first met Jesus, I was 21, I had an entire Bible that fit into my pocket. Like, it, it was kind of fat. And some of my friends had little leather pouches for them so we could get our sword out real quick. And, uh, but I could read this whole Bible from cover to cover. It was on really thin paper. And, uh, and it was King James. And, you know, and I would read it all the time. 
And now, if I saw one of those, I would have to, I don't even know if a magnifying glass would help me. I might need a microscope because I have a big fat Bible with large print and sometimes I'm reading it and I'm underlining it and I love it, but sometimes I wanna read the footnotes and I have to get it in really bright light and I'm wearing some reading glasses already. You know, without the reading glasses, forget it. But as you get older, it's, Job talks about it called your eyes get dim. Has anybody had that happen? You know, where it just takes more light to read the same thing. Help us, Jesus, you know. So we need more light. But I'm telling you what you are, so, so what that light is for me as a, a middle-aged person at age 70, the, uh, when I'm, I need that light so I can see what the message is, the people around you need the light that's in you so they can see things that they couldn't see without your influence in their life. And I'm telling you, you are carrying inside you the power of God that can release change in their life that may permit, like photosynthesis permits, all the other forms of life that may be the key to opening up their entire purpose for existence on this planet that they cannot find when they're in the dark. I used to, I love, I I haven't done it in a long time. I'm not sure if I'd love it anymore. I used to love uh, cave caving, spelunking, and, uh, and, but if you're ever in a cave and you're not very smart, which a lot of young kids aren't who find caves and their parents don't even know they're in a cave and you're in the cave and you're way in the cave and your battery on your little flashlight goes dead, you don't have a clue how to get out of that cave unless you were smart and you ran a string from the beginning. And you don't know, like you could just start walking, and I think it's that way, and you could like slice your head open on a stalactite, or you could trip and impale yourself on a stalagmite, or you could fall in a limestone pool, and there might be one of those blind cave fish that eats human flesh. You don't know the dangers that you have when you can't see what's going on, and I'm telling you, People are blinded by sin and they don't know where they're going until the light comes into their life. And you are the light. Jesus. So, so the, you know, the title is Let There Be Light. So how do we let our light shine? Like, well, you know, I don't know if I'm kind of a dim bulb, you know, I'd like to like... (laughs) Maybe I need LED, I could get more light out of less power. But maybe God just wants to crank up the power that that you're tapping into. So how do we get our light to shine? Because it requires, I don't have light in myself, I have light in the Lord. It requires communion with him. And so, well, so I have some little ideas here, you know. Uh, First of all, Here's what's wonderful about light. You know that light, like when light gets released, a photon gets released from the sun or one of the 50 billion other stars in the Milky Way and you know, countless number out in the universe. But the little photon heads in a straight line and it will go forever. Unlike matter, light doesn't decompose. It's an eternally renewable and renewed resource. Created light has no end unless it hits something that absorbs it. Ah. Oh. Anyway, this, 
there's a lot of profound implications here. So how, I wanna be a light keeper. See, if I'm the light, if I'm the light, I wanna be a lighthouse, that means I have to be lighthouse keeper. How do I keep the light shining in my life? Okay, here, here's a good place to start, by receiving the word. Now, because in the beginning was the word, John 1, 1, the word was with God, which means the word is personal. The word was face to face with God, and God here is referring to God the Father, but the word also was God, which clarifies the status of the word, that the Father and the Son are both God. But here's the thing, receiving the word, when I'm receiving the word, I'm not just, in, I'm not just memorizing data or inputting data, I am interacting with a person, the eternal word of God, who has become for us found in the written word of God. I don't know if you understand that, but I'm saying it's as supernatural to read the word of God or listen to the word of God and you can feel it when it's happening that this word is going into you that you are interacting with his divine nature. So in the beginning was the word, but you know, it's relational. Have you ever read like a chapter? Because you know, you're on the, you got, the, I, when I was first saved, someone told me if I read two chapters out of the Old Testament and one out of the New Testament, I could read the Bible in a year. But I was zealous and I, and I wasn't that fully employed and, and I, I, you know, and now I was hungry for the Lord. So I was reading 10 chapters a day. I was reading it for hours and hours and hours. I was powering through it, even though I didn't understand it, a lot of it. You know, I had no context. I didn't know who was who or anything. But on my first time through the Bible, and, and it was like impacting me and changing me. But sometimes I would have days, especially when, it, you know, you can turn a relationship into into a regulation, you know, so now I have to read six chapters, you know, how many chapters did you read today, you know, and we're like measuring ourselves by how, but, you know, in that mode, have you ever read a chapter and then you thought like, wait, what? Yeah, I got to the end of the chapter. I know I started, but I don't know what was in between. Has that ever happened to you? When that happens to you, what's happening is you're not relating to the word, and it's so wonderful when you do. And some parts are like hard to relate to, you know, like the first nine chapters of First Chronicles or something, all the begats and stuff. Now, I, I sort of play a game with that. I go like, wow, God, that's how much you think about these people. Their names are in the eternal word of God. I have no idea who they are, but I know that Edo was the son of Hege, somebody, you know, somebody. And, and so there are ways that you interact with this, but so much of it is rich. And if you let it get in you, it's like, ah. This is how we keep the light burning, that we, we interact because he's the word. Jesus is the word, and the word is eternal. Verse three, all things were made through him, which means when you're partaking of the word, you're partaking of the creative person and power that, that created the whole universe and you. Verse four, in him was life and the life was the light of men. The light is coming into you. Verse five, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it, which is what we experience too, that we shine in the darkness and the darkness cannot comprehend this uncreated light that's a gift and it can't overcome it. And have you ever, like you let your light shine and there's people around you that are like, what happened to that guy? 
That happened a lot. My whole family, my parents were all offended. My, my dad heard, Ann and I were out witnessing on the street. We were young Christians. We, and his, anyway, went to his favorite coffee shop the next day and people were laughing about Charlie Stock. He's a Jesus freak. He's, and my dad came back and he, he cussed me out and said, I don't want you to be a holy roller and all this stuff. And if it, see, the, dark, the light shines in the darkness and darkness doesn't always get it. Thank God my father received the light and is in heaven now. But at that point, there's a resistance. But here's the thing. Light is an eternally renewable resource. So you get beat up one day, you just go spend time with Jesus and you'll be good as new or better the next day. You'll be getting stronger, not weaker. <laughs> you'll be getting invincible and become more than a conqueror. Okay, Psalm 119, 130. What happens is when you're receiving the word, it unfolds. The unfolding of your words gives light and it imparts understanding to the simple. How many think I need understanding? When that word unfolds, this is the implanted word. James calls it the implanted word that's able to save you. When, have you ever read a word? a Bible verse, and if you haven't, just read, read until something speaks to you. You know, read, say, Holy Spirit, speak to me. I want to find Jesus in this word. And you're reading it, and it's like, you get this special feeling. I can't describe it. You know, it's like you're, you're hooked into a, an infusion of holy glory. You can feel it in your body, in your mind. Your heart is made glad. And this is how we keep the light burning. Oh, Jesus, don't neglect the word of God. Because it, it has to be renewed. I don't know why. It just, that, you know why? Because the word is made flesh. And when we're reading the word, we're interacting with God. When you're reading the word, think like, oh, I've only got three more chapters today. But what's happening, you, you, you are reading the word, but God sees you're looking at him. I don't know if you, you know, help us, Lord, to just have eyes of faith. And when, the, when this word opens up, it gives light. This is similar to what, after the resurrection, Jesus opened the mind. Luke 24, verse 45, he opened the minds of the disciples so they could understand, they could put together the scriptures. Ah, oh, you know, not everyone receives it. I mean, the you know, John 3, God so loved the world, he sent his only begotten son. He sent his world in, is, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Whoa, isn't that good? He didn't send him into the world to condemn the world. He sent him into the world to save the world. But John 3, 19 says, this is the condemnation. Or ESV says judgment. The light has come into the world, but the people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. And everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his works be exposed. And so not everybody welcomes your light. You know, we used to sing the song, this little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine all over the neighborhood. What you don't know is when you're letting it shine all over your neighborhood, some people are gonna be so blessed and other people are gonna get mad. And they might throw rocks or beer cans at you one day but that doesn't mean they hate God. It just means they're disturbed because you're disturbing their nice sleep in their darkness. <laughs> you know, and a year later, they might come, yeah, would you pray for me? And this, doesn't this happen all the time? I used to persecute Christians when I was in high school, late 60s. I mocked them. 
And God says, don't worry, I got, I'll, I got him. Just take a few more years. <laughs> no, I'll get him. All right. So first thing, how do we, how do we keep our light? We, we're, we, we receive the word. Secondly, we, this is something that we need so much that we behold how much he loves us, that we focus on it, that it becomes our contemplation. First John 3, 1. Behold, see, behold what kind of love the Father has given to us that we'd be called the children of God. What we're actually instructed to focus on is the kind of love, what kind of love is this God that would make me your child? That we should be called the children of God and, and so we are. It's not just that it might make us the children of God, it has made you a child of God. And this is worth, this will keep you in love. You know, the worst thing we can do is we fall out of love with God like, yeah, God, I'm good, you know, thank you that you chose me before. You wrote my name in the Lamb's Book of Life and, you know, I'm, I'm doing my best, but I'm kind of busy now and I got all this stuff on my mind. But God's just saying, no, would you stop and behold what kind of love? This, you know, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. <laughs> and is the free gift of God that isn't just like, well, here, but it's his love. He's actually in love with you. He's actually has the same affection toward you that the father has toward the son and the son has toward the father. He has brought you into this love and that's what makes you and me children of God and that's what we are. The world doesn't know us because it didn't know him. Verse two, beloved, we are God's children now. It's not talking about when we die and get to heaven. It's talking about now while you're a 70-year-old middle-aged man trying to get to heaven. But it's like, it's now while you're a 15-year-old teenager where you don't know what's going on, but you know you love Jesus and called him into your heart and his love is making you his child now. And what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, see him as he is. Ah. And this keeps us pure. Verse three, if, if this is our hope, if we, get, if, we, if we deliberately focus on this, then it purifies us and we purify ourselves. And some of us know, you know, we know every football player, every basketball player, we know all the stats. We, we, we're waiting for baseball season and we already know all the, the pitching and batting averages, but we don't know this manner of love that has transformed our lives. I'm just saying, this is what he calls us to. There's nothing wrong with knowing all that stuff and knowing all about the economy and knowing all about politics and knowing all about everything, but this is something so much higher. It's out of this world. And this is what makes you light in this dark, corrupt world. Okay, the third thing is stay thirsty <laughs> and drink and stay filled with the Holy Spirit. John 7, 37, on the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. The, the margin of the New American Standard says, let him come and keep coming, drink and keep drinking, Verse 38, whoever believes in me, as the scripture said, out of his heart or out of his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. 
Don't you, I mean, Jesus, make us thirsty that we would keep coming. How long since you've, you've come and you've drunk and you've drunk until there's rivers flowing out of your belly. What's amazing is that the, the grace and the life of God actually multiplies inside you so that your drink becomes rivers. I could never produce even a, stre- a steady stream, best intermittent, too many times in the night. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but, but Jesus said, no, if you come and you drink from me, then that drink of yours will become massive rivers that can change the world, that can bring forth fruit and life wherever you go. I'm telling you, that just said, let's, let's keep this light. Let's keep the light. Let's, let's, let's get it from the word. Let's get it by beholding his love. Let's get it by deliberately saying, Jesus, I'm thirsty. I want to drink. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. I want to stay full and overflowing. Thank you, Jesus. Now, this sets us up to be what we're meant to be in this world. Matthew 5.13. You are the salt of the earth. If the salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under feet. Now, I don't know about you, but I've, I've wondered about this for years like I mean, can salt actually lose its saltiness? Salt is sodium chloride, and sodium chloride always tastes like sodium chloride. What on earth does this mean? And so I ponder this for a long time, and it's amazing that some questions take like 40 years to answer, but I finally came across a commentary that they said that the rabbis in that time, they used salt, they, they saw salt as a, a substitute for the word wisdom. That, and so, I mean, Christ in you, Christ has become righteousness and sanctification and wisdom and power, Paul wrote to the Corinthians. And so the wisdom of God is in us and the world needs it because salt is what preserves things, salt is what makes things tasteful. And so how you could lose your saltiness, I mean, there's a little clue here it, where it says losing its saltiness, the word actually means become foolish. It's where we get our English word moron from. And so like, wait, how can salt become stupid? It can't, but wisdom, which is salt, can become insipid or foolish or non-applicable if we lose our divine connection because it's not your wisdom, it's God's wisdom that's in you that makes you the salt of the earth and the earth needs your salt, okay? And so, so you know, how can it be? Well, it, salt can't, doesn't actually lose, the NACL doesn't lose its saltiness, but in those days, most of the people got their salt from the Dead Sea and it was sort of contaminated. It had other things in it besides Salt, and so it wasn't like white and didn't have iodine or whatever added to it, like Leslie's salt, but it, it was colored. And, and Anne gets this stuff called real salt, and it comes from salt mines, and it has all these other things in it. It's like little red flecks and stuff. But so that was similar to the salt people had then. But here's the thing. If they weren't careful with the salt, it could be contaminated. Like other stuff could get into it. They didn't all have nice little salt shakers. 
And, and so he's just saying, be careful. Don't let this be contaminated. Or if they weren't careful and it was exposed to too much moisture, it could, um, you know, it could actually leach out the salt and only leave the other stuff and lose its flavor. And so we, are, we can lose our saltiness if we let God's holiness that's inside you and me get contaminated by the culture around us or we let it be diluted by things that aren't true. So let's, I mean, this is, this is, Paul addresses this when he writes to the Philippians. So how do we keep our wisdom? How do we protect the wisdom of God? One is avoid immorality. Ephesians 5, 3. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you. Let there be no filthiness or foolish talks or crude joking, but instead let there be thanksgiving. So, he names immorality, greed, and vulgarity as things that can, that can destroy the salt that's in our life, that can contaminate it. And our culture is so bathed in immorality that kids grow up and they don't even think immorality is immorality. You know, uh, I mean, not picking on teenagers because adults do it too, but people sleeping with people that they're not married to, that's called immorality, you know, <laughs> I mean, you know, it's not like that marriage is holy matrimony, one man, one woman, and it doesn't matter what the courts say or what's shown in movies or TVs or school books or Time Magazine or Life Magazine or anything else. This is what God created, and since he created everything, this is his plan, and one day there will be, this will be fully expressed in a new heaven and new earth in which righteousness dwells. And you're part of that, keeping your salt. Keep it uncontaminated by what's going on in the world. Keep it uncontaminated by propaganda. Don't let no one deceive you with empty words. Feast on the truth, you know, and let no one, don't, Identify with corrupt people, but walk in the light. Therefore, verse seven, therefore do not become partakers or partners with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light. It's a gift. In the Lord, walk as children of the light. Isn't that good? And, and study to discern what the will of the Lord is. It says in verse 10, and God is gonna give you this. And you just say, God, I'm not very good at this, but will you help me keep my salt salty and walk in the light as a child of the light? He will, he will give you grace for that. So that brings us to, so we're the salt of the earth and we're the light of the world, uh, Matthew 5, 14. You're the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. People don't light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand it gives light to all in the house. And I mean, this is a picture from the, the small homes that most people lived in, that they had a shelf where they would put the lamp. They also had a clay, it wasn't a, a woven basket, but it was a clay container that they used for measuring grain. And it could be woven, but they would never light the lamp and then put it on the floor and turn the, the basket over on it unless they wanted to put it out. And so he's just saying, keep your light bright. Keep your light useful. You're the light of the world. People need to see. And so, and listen to this. Why are we doing this? Verse 16, 
Let, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So the purpose of letting our light shine, it, it makes our good works consistent. We look for ways to serve. We look for ways to serve the community. You know, I mean, there's such an opportunity that we've had to reach out over this last year. You know, I mean, it's just expanded. We've seen this food ministry go to millions and millions of pounds that Yadira and uh, Edgar, Edgar really got it going. It's Edgar and Yadira because they're a team. But the, uh, the, I mean, it's awesome. I just got a, a little video from uh, Jim Kilmartin, pastor of Center City Church in Altoona. And now they're getting two trucks every week. They've, several churches have joined together to help them. They're, I mean, and it's a big deal. I mean, there's a, one, one ministry brings another truck. They unload some of the truck into that truck and they take it out beyond Altoona in the surrounding rural areas. It's spreading. And they're, I mean, you know, they're playing worship music. They've got businesses adding to what, what's being sent in these trucks, adding bread and, and other goods. They're, they're praying for people as the people wait in their cars to come up. They've got prayer teams. And Jim said 90% of the people want to be prayed for. It's a way to let the light shine. There's so many ways to let our light shine. And you don't have to be super spiritual and you don't have to do it alone. You can find some people that are letting their light shine with good works and just say, hey, could I join you? I mean, it, you, and Tan and, and, and Christina at the mansion on the hill, I mean, these are just ways right here in the city. They need volunteers, you know. They need volunteers this summer and at various times through the year. Center for Champions, same thing. They need after-school volunteers. There's so many ways, and there are many, many, many other ministries. These are just popping into my mind right now, but, but I'm telling you, you are anointed by God and recreated by God for, for this purpose, that people would see the light shining from your life and give glory to God the Father. I want you to stand, if you would. And uh, I, wanna, I wanna pray for, for boldness, that we wouldn't get intimidated by the culture around us. Don't be canceled. Don't be afraid to open your mouth. Don't, I mean, one of, our, one, of our, uh, one of my young friends told me his child was doing a, a work assignment using Microsoft Word online, and they were writing a letter to, to the teacher started out, dear Mrs. So-and-so, and a little robot thing popped up and said, oh, it's better not to use gender-specific language. Like, who put, who, who did that? Who programmed that? A 22-year-old, you know, in Silicon Valley who thinks they know more than, than God, know more than every traditional culture on earth for as long as human beings have been on this earth, that there are fathers, there are mothers, there are boys, there are girls, and we need gender-specific language. It's, it's the enemy, because what you don't have language for, you can't see. In the beginning was the word, and we need the word to shape our lives. I just, I wanna, how many, you just say, I want, I wanna stay thirsty, I wanna stay in the word, and I want to be a light and I want to be salt wherever I go. I mean, do you want that? Oh, just lift your hands. I want to pray, Holy Spirit, would you come and would you fill us? 
Would you fill us as a community with this living word of God, with the Holy Spirit of God? Would you make us holy? Would you grant us access into the word? Would you open our minds that we can understand your word so that when we're reading it, it unfolds to us. When we're listening to it, things unfold and take us deeper than we ever knew it went. Oh, would you, would you give us a continual thirst that we keep coming to you and we say, fill me, Holy Spirit, and that we drink of you the living water and out of our bellies flow rivers to the world around us. Jesus' name. It, if you, you know, if you just say, God, I want you to increase my thirst, would you raise your hand? Just raise your hand. I, why are we doing that? Just because otherwise you just stand there and, and it's just good. Like, hey, my hand's up, God. See my hand? My hand's up. Okay, let's say this. Holy Spirit, make me thirsty. And when I come to Jesus, give me drink so that out of my life will flow living waters wherever I go. Let's do this. Say, Holy Spirit, give me access. Let me see the kind of love the Father has for me. Let it become my obsession. Let everything else seem inferior. Fill me, fill me. And make the word of God my delight that your wisdom and your creative energy will flow through me. In Jesus' name. Now, I want, to, I want you to lift up your hands, okay? Lift up your hands. We're just, we're gonna get, we're getting an oil change and a lube job right here, okay? So, you know, there, one of the minor prophets, it says he has risen with healing in his wings and... Uh, it's not coming to me what the address is, but one of the translation is that, that, that healing rays are coming from his hands. So lift your hands and say, Holy Spirit, I wanna be so full, so full of you, that healing rays come from my hands. I wanna pray for the sick and see them healed. Fill my heart with wisdom and discernment. Let my words be full of hope. Present, presenting the gospel without even knowing it. Oh God, make me shine like you shine. In Jesus' name, amen, 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 amen. Okay, I've kept, you, I've kept you a little long and I apologize for that. I, if the ministry team would come up, I know some of you, if you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, this is a great time. If you struggle with intimidation and fear, God wants to give you boldness. If you just say, God, I just need a supernatural connection with you. I wanna restore the intimacy of my first love. I invite you forward. If you've never met Jesus, get up just, you need to come to the front right now and, and give your life to him. 
He gave his life for you. He's calling you to give your life to him. So if you would just respond to that, that he would love it and it'll change your life and all of eternity in Jesus' name. The rest of you, God bless you. May the love of God the Father and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you wherever you go. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. God bless you, thank you.